So Matthew chapter 22, page 990, and as we read, we remember that this is God's Word. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet." But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see his, the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us his word today. Well, this morning, if you have your Bible or the Pew Bible, please do turn it open with me to the book of Matthew and the chapter 22. It's found on page 990 in the Pew Bible. This morning, as we look at this parable, and as Nigel has already said, perhaps this is a familiar parable to you this morning, but as we come to this, we want to think about this one point. When the king invites you, you must respond. When the king invites you, you must respond. And see, this parable this morning is all to do about the king and his provision for us. The king and his provision for us. We live in a society now where social media rules, doesn't it? Uh, for many of the younger people in the congregation, they will know what FOMO is, and that's the fear of missing out, okay? The fear of missing out. We love social media. We love to see what each other are doing. We love to portray ourselves in the best light, don't we? We are always afraid of missing out on what's happening. Well, a friend of mine was in great fear of missing out he was in fear of missing out what was going to happen. He knew that the, the queen of our land was going to come. It was in 2012. She came over and uh, she uh, spent some time in our land. And he knew that she was going to come. And he had received two tickets to this dinner in the Titanic Exhibition Center. So he said to me and said to my mate, look, do you want to take them two tickets? Go to the Titanic Exhibition Center. And we thought, surely, here's two tickets to a free dinner. We'll go to that, surely. And see, the reason he was giving us to them, giving us them, was because he knew the queen was going to come to Stormont and he didn't want to miss her. However, he missed a small detail. The queen was going to come to Belfast. Yes, she was going to go to Stormont, but she was going to have a dinner with 100 people from Northern Ireland, and he just gave away two tickets to that dinner. So here's myself and my mate, and the two of us are with 100 of the top business people in Northern Ireland having dinner with the queen in the Titanic Exhibition Center. And the queen came in, all of her bodyguards were there, 
her personal uh, servant was there. She came in, dandered right past us, sat at the table just one away from us. The whole time we're eating our dinner and she's in direct eye line with us. You see, he didn't read the small print. He didn't read the details. He missed the invitation. He was preoccupied with something else. And he missed the invitation to have dinner with the queen. And as we look at Matthew this morning, a theme that runs throughout it is don't miss Christ the king. Don't miss him. Here is the king. Do not miss him. And we saw it last week in in chapter 21. And again, we see it here in chapter 22. Where are we in the book of Matthew? We're still at Tuesday. This is the third parable in a row that Jesus is using to teach uh, the high priests and the elders. Um, What he is doing in this parable of the great banquet is, in one sense, he's painting the whole history of redemption. You see, we can see that in the first few verses that we have the children of Israel, the chosen ones who reject Christ, and then we see in the second half how the invitation of the gospel is opened up to all people. God extends his grace. And he's trying, Jesus here is trying to explain to the Pharisees, to the elders, to the chief priests, that this is what the kingdom of God is like. He uses them words in verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And yet they miss him. Look at how it ends in verse 15. Uh, uh, just after this, the Pharisees went out and they laid plans to trap him in his words. They don't see him. They miss him. And this morning as we come to this passage, we do not want to miss King Jesus. So our first point, verses 1 to 7, our natural response is to reject the invitation. Our natural response is to reject the invitation. And this is the rebellious, those of us who are rebellious. Sometimes invitations are not always a welcomed arrival. I know in our house, Uh, Mum would have always uh, referred to a wedding invitation landing on the door as a summons coming through the door. Uh, You had to get a new outfit. You had to go and get your hair done. You had to go and and get all these different bits and pieces, a new hat and fascinator and handbag and shoes and uh, an engagement present. And then you had to go and get a a wedding present. And by the time you were done, it would run into a lot of money. Sometimes we don't like to accept an invitation. Maybe it's a gathering that we'd rather not go to. Maybe it's an awkward work gathering. Maybe it's a an invitation, ladies, for a date that you'd rather not accept, okay? There's many invitations that we get, and we would rather not accept them. And we all know that burden of having an invitation and not wanting to go. Well, in verses 1 to 7, we see that played out, don't we? Here is the invitation that is given. The king has issued it, and people are running from him. And in verses 2 through to 3, we see how the world often now responds to that gospel invitation. It gives us a little snapshot. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent the servants, those who had been invited to the banquet, to tell them to come, but they refused to come. You see, the king here tells the people to come. Come all who are hungry and thirsty. Come all who are weak and who are burdened. Come all those who have no hope and who are hopeless. Come those who are weighed down with guilt and with shame. Come, says the king. Come to the banquet. And yet the people reject. They refuse. You see, Jesus Christ offers here to take us and to take the people into union with himself to restore us to the family of God 
as dear children, to clothe us in his righteousness, to give us a place in his kingdom, to present us faultless before his father and before the throne. And yet many of us, many of us refuse to come. It's what we've been looking at in Holiday Bible Club. This verse, our memory verse, fits so well with what we're looking at today. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. The invitation is sent. And our response as we read this, surely we think to ourselves that the, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who's prepared a banquet. He sent the servants and everybody's gonna come. But they don't. The invitation is sent and yet people reject it. And surely we think at the end of verse three, What's going to happen? Well, surely we think to ourselves, well, the invitation has been sent, the refusal has come, surely the king will not, will not ask a second time. And we see the grace of God, don't we? Verse four, then he sent some more servants and he said, tell those who've been invited, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. You see, the king here tells us something about him, doesn't it? Tells us that he's patient. Tells us that he's loving, that he's kind. That he gives another chance to those who didn't want to come. He urges them to come. He begs them to come. Come to my wedding feast of my son. Come and meet with him. Come and be part of this great number. Now, if we step back again out of the parable for a little moment, what is, what is Jesus teaching in terms of the, the, the redemption story. He's showing us that, that we are the bride of Christ, that those who follow him are the bride of Christ. And one day we will go home to be with him and there will be a great banquet that will last forevermore. And Jesus is appealing to those in the temple to come and to be part of this, to come and be part of this place of celebration, a place where the angels will gather and sing and rejoice in the presence of our Savior. In verse three, the servants that we're told about, who are these servants? The servants are those Old Testament prophets who went to Israel and spoke with them. We see that in chapter 21 uh, last week with the parable of the tenants, the same servants go out. And then we see the second set of servants, who are they? Well, they are referred to as the disciples, and John the Baptist, Paul, Timothy, and Christ himself as the servant of his father. Jesus is panning out the whole of redemptive history for us. What has happened, what is happening, and what is going to happen one day at the great wedding feast. So we zoom in again here, back into the parable, and we don't want to miss this God of patience. God is warmly inviting Five times here it mentions the word invited or come in this opening section. Nine times throughout this whole parable. You are invited. Come. You are invited. Come. Constantly throughout this parable. And yet the devastating words of verse five come. But they paid no attention. And they went off. One to his field and another to his business. And just like in the parable, today it is exactly the same, isn't it? We see people as they respond to the gospel, 
They respond in exactly the same way. Many don't pay attention. It's back off to work. It's back off to the field. It's off to another business trip. Don't annoy me with that. I've had enough of that. I don't even, I don't even know if the king exists. I don't even know if there's such a person as the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't annoy me with that. I have no time for that. Or maybe I'll, I'll sort that out in year, later years. In a little while, I'm too busy now. I have too much going on. And people ignore the gospel invitation all the time. It's not for me. I have better things to do. It's far too much hassle. So they bury their head just like the folks in this parable. And it's back off to the field. And it's back off to other business. And then the other reaction of verse 6 Some seize the servants, some mistreat them, and some kill them. And we see that today, don't we? Across our world, many brothers and sisters who live in fear, live in fear of death, of those who will come and who will take them and kill them for their faith. But we also see it in our own lives of how we are mistreated because of the gospel, in our workplaces, in our papers, and in our parliament. You see, people mistreat the servants who bring the invitation. And many brothers and sisters are at risk with this, just as Jesus and his disciples were. So this morning, this is not something that can be taken lightly. This is a great invitation that stands before us. And the king shows his abundance, grace, his love, and his mercy, and his kindness. But he also must show his justice. Look at how that opening section ends in verse 7. The king was enraged. He sent his army and he destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. It seems like a really harsh response to someone not accepting an invitation, doesn't it? But these people are living on the king's land and by rejecting his invitation, they are committing high treason. They have turned their back on the king. They are being rebels. They are in a rebellious state, they have made themselves an enemy of the king. They've disrespected him and his servants, and therefore they must suffer the consequences. And I remember this is referring to Israel. Christ is talking to them, and it translates however it does today. Often Israel is a mirror of the church. How frightening that aspect is that we as a church could miss the invitation of God this morning. Friends, that is a frightening, frightening prospect. And we see it across our land, churches that claim to be Christian, and yet they're very, very far away from our Heavenly Father. They have missed the invitation. And we must constantly address and look at ourselves. Have we missed this invitation of God to come to the banquet? And there's some of us here today who are gathered in church and we have come along week after week and we know the gospel but we have never, ever accepted this invitation. Just like it says in the parable, you have been invited, you've been invited again but verse five, still no attention is paid. And to those who sit beside you and around you, it looks like you maybe have accepted this invitation but friend, you haven't. And I would do you an injustice this morning if I was not to warn you. You are in great danger. Look at this parable 
Look at the danger that there was for those who rejected. The king comes, his army destroys those murderers and burn their city. Friend, if we reject the invitation of Christ this morning, we are in great danger. Our second point, the wedding hall was filled, verses 8 to 10. The wedding hall was filled, verses 8 to 10. This is the good and the bad. We've had the rebellious. It's turning into a western. We've now got the good and the bad who are welcomed in. I wonder if you've ever had to invite people to a party. Perhaps it was your wedding. And that can cause great stress, can't it, as you try and draw up a guest list. Well, if we invite these people, perhaps this person will not want to come. Or if we're trying to sort out a table, if we put these people at that table, they're not going to talk. They're not going to get on. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And it can cause great drama and stress for us. Who are we going to invite? Who are we going to invite? If we invite this person, this one won't come. Here in this parable, in verses 8 through to 10, who are invited? All people are invited. It isn't an exclusive guest list. This isn't just for certain, a certain type of people. This is for the good and for the bad. This is for everyone. The king extends the invitation to the rich and to the poor. This is for the Gentile and for the Jew. This is for the Roman soldier and for his prisoner. This is for everyone. This is the gospel. There is no limit placed upon it. You see, Jesus is getting at the Pharisees and the elders. He's provoking them. Who is this message for? Who is the love and the grace of God for? It is for all people. And we know that inside of our hearts. We know that to be true. And yet often we fall back into that same place as what the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders did. We know that it must be extended to all. We know it must go to both Protestant and Muslim and, and Roman Catholic. We know that it must go to all classes, and yet we don't offer it. We don't offer it. This morning as a church, we want to see that this invitation that we have, that it carries great authority, and it carries a great privilege with it. And we want to go, and we want to issue this invitation to all those around us, this is an invitation to the greatest banquet the world has ever seen. This, is not no, this isn't a small wedding. This is a huge feast. This is where the bride of Christ gets to meet him. And we will be united with him and the angels will roar and the archangels will sing and we will bow before our God and we will worship him and we will love him forevermore. This is a feast that will never end where our souls will be satisfied forever. This is the best news that we have. This is the best invitation that you could ever give. And you know what? There's unlimited amount of them. They're in your pockets. Every person that you meet needs one of these invitations. We don't want them to miss out. And that's what we've been doing this week at Holiday Bible Club. The little ones have been coming along. And we've been issuing invitations. You see, church this morning, people around us, they can't afford to miss this. If we truly believe this, if we truly believe that this is true, if we believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe that he has called us to be at one with himself, that this wedding feast is going to happen, then we have to tell people about it. You have to tell your friends, look, you can't miss this. You can miss many a party, but you can't miss this one. 
You've got to know about it. Your friends and your family, your work colleagues, those who you're in class with, those who you go to the shop with, those who serve you at the shop, those who sit beside you on the train, everybody needs to know about this. And as a church, what does that mean for us? It means that the old person living in Hill Street here needs to know about this. They need the invitation. It means that the foreign couple that's maybe moved into Sloan Street need to know that they're invited to a great banquet, to a great wedding feast. And we have the invitation and we've got to go tell them. To those in New Street and James Street and in Mark Street and in George Street and Anne Street and in Union Street, all around this place, they need to know that they are invited. They need to know that there's a gospel invitation. They need to know that they have to respond to it. Friend, we'll want to be at this banquet. We'll want to be there. Verse 9 of our passage tells how this happened just as we're talking about doing in our own area, the servants are sent out, first nine, to the street corners to invite those to the banquet. Anyone that you can find. So the servants went out to the streets. This is beautiful. The servants went out to the streets and they gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. No one was withheld an invitation. No one had to scrub themselves up and, and tidy themselves up before they got an invitation. They just were invited to come. And the servants brought them to this wedding feast. Friend, this morning, simple challenge. Will you be inside or outside of that feast? Will you be part of that banquet? Our final point this morning is the missing wedding robe. The missing wedding robe. We've had the good, we've had the rebellious, the good, the bad. And now we have the last member, the ugly, is going to appear for us. I wonder, have you ever watched a film and you see in the, the film where someone is invited to a party and they're told it's a fancy dress party, but they're the only one that's told it's a fancy dress party and they turn up in fancy dress, everyone else is in normal clothes. Well, that happened to me in real life, not me, thankfully, but it happened to my friend. Uh, we were told actually it was a fancy dress party, but just no one could be bothered to dress up that time. Uh, and little Stephen, wee Stephen, he came along and he was dressed as a clown he had his dungarees on, face painted. He had a little hat with a wee spinny uh, windmill on the top. And he really, really played the part well because everybody thought that he was a fool. The only one at the whole party who was actually in fancy dress. But he stood out. He stood out. And here we see, don't we? The king arrives at the party, verses 11 through to 14, and straight away notices this man without the wedding clothes. And as we read this, as we look at this, we think, right, what's going to happen? The king sees this man, the guest, without the wedding clothes, and he says to him, friend, and we expect it to read, friend, you don't have the clothes, you don't have wedding clothes on, come here. Servants, take him, wash him, clothe him, prepare him for the wedding feast. But that's not what happens, friend, he asked. How did you get here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And then the king and the attendants told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's going on? Well, in its original context, what happened was a king would invite people to the great wedding feast and then he would clothe them. He would give them his robes. His robes would be spotless. Everyone would be dressed in these robes. It would be a great honor and a great privilege to receive clothes from the king Everyone looking the same. No one was 
pulling off an outfit better than anyone else. No one was turning around and saying, oh, I love your hat or your fascinator or your tie. Everyone was in the same clothes, beautifully prepared for them. So this man, well, he comes and he thinks that his own clothes are good enough. Comes into the banquet and he thinks, I don't need the clothes of the king. I've just bought new clothes. These are great. I'll stand out. And he stands out for the wrong reasons. You see, we can't come to this great wedding feast on our own merit. We can't come dressed in our own clothes. What does the Bible refer to our clothes as? Nothing but dirty rags, filthy rags. We have to come in the king's clothes. And the king this morning provides these for us. He provides the robes so that we may be dressed in them. So there's no more pretending. God will come. He will cast his eye across this great gathering and he will know those who belong to him and those who do not. Those who are dressed in the righteousness of Christ, those who, who, who are, are in his beautiful robes, he will know. And those who are dressed in, his, in their own merits will be bound hand and foot and cast out into eternal darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth into separation from God into a place called hell. And this stands again as a great warning to us. As a great warning to all of us this morning. If we are pretending, then we do not pretend any longer. So as we close, we see the gospel in this parable. We see the beauty of it. We see a God of grace and of mercy and of love and of patience. But we also see a God of holy justice and of wrath. We cannot tolerate sin. We see the beauty of the gospel here. It's an offer to the good and to the bad. It's an offer of food to the hungry, of joy to those who mourn. It is a home for the outcast. It is a friendship for those who are lost. It is an invitation to those who don't think they are worthy. They are invited. It is a feast to all those who are weary. It is a place of privilege this morning to those who feel shame. The king will soon arrive. The servants will issue the invitation no longer. Everyone will be gathered in. The banquet will be ready. And the king will come to meet his guests. And only those who are chosen will have responded. That's a strange phrase at the very end of our parable. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Who are the chosen? The chosen are simply those who respond. If you have responded to the invitation, you are the chosen you know what's most beautiful about this invitation? And just as my story began about having a lunch or a dinner with the queen, that was free. But I had to pay for a new suit, and I had to pay for a haircut, and I had to pay for a travel down and new shoes to meet the queen. See this invitation? This invitation is totally free. There is no cost this morning. This has all been paid for by the blood of Christ at Calvary. It is free. This week at Holiday Bible Club, one evening, myself and Alistair and a few of us were standing out the front and two little girls came up. You know what the first question they asked us? How much is this? How much is this? He turned around and said to them, it's free, girls. Do you want to come in? 
said, hold on, we need to go ask my daddy. The two girls ran back down the street and up they come with their daddy. It's free. This is the good news of the gospel, friends, this morning. It is free. It is by God's grace that it's been paid for. So what are we going to do this morning? Have we accepted Christ? As he walks towards us with these beautiful clothes, with these robes to dress us in, as he smiles at us and he walks towards us to clothe us, what are we doing this morning? Are we holding up our hands and saying, Christ, clothe us? Or are we looking at the ground, walking away, turning away from him and trusting in our own efforts? As a church this morning, we want to see this glory. We want to see the joy of being part of God's kingdom, this great privilege. And now as servants, we go and we proclaim this. We proclaim hope to the world, filled with passion and filled with power to proclaim, come, come. You're invited to this great wedding feast. Come to the banquet. Come, join the church. Come, be part of the bride of Christ. Simply come and trust in Christ alone. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this part of Scripture. Father, it teaches us so much. It teaches us that you're a God of patience with us. You're a God of love and of mercy. You have invited us, even though we don't deserve it. Come, you're invited. Father, we thank you that this is free. We thank you that Christ has paid it all for us. We thank you that we can come in our filthy rags and that you wash us and cleanse us and you dress us in these beautiful, beautiful robes. Father, as a church, we come this morning and we ask that you would clothe us. Prepare us for your, your, the, the bridegroom, your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we long for that day when you take us home and when, whenever we sing in that great choir forevermore. Amen.